your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Good morning. It's just about 7.40. We've gone from the threat of uh, intermittent ultra-fine dust rising over the winter to now still ultra-fine dust, but also the warnings about yellow dust this spring. It's uh, life in South Korea, which I think if, if it's one thing that many of us would change in terms of safety, uh, especially among the expat community, when... when they highlight a number of areas that they enjoy living in Seoul. On the negative side, air pollution is one of those that uh, I'm sure many of us would love to see resolved. And maybe we're on our way to doing so because NASA and Korea's National Institute of Environmental Research have decided to work together in a unique project called the Korea-US Air Quality Study or Chorus AQ. This joint effort will be apparently crucial in finding smarter, more responsible ways to reduce emissions. Let's bring in Dr. James Crawford, Senior Scientist for Atmospheric Chemistry at NASA's Langley Research Center, a lead scientist on this project currently visiting Seoul. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Can you begin by briefly telling us about this study and, and, and what it's all about so far? Sure. Uh, the Chorus AQ study is an attempt to provide a three-dimensional view of pollution across the, the Korean Peninsula uh, with an attempt to understand what are the factors that control air quality uh, under different scenarios. And so by using the aircraft, we can start to see uh, from above the ground uh, what's going on in terms of the way pollution is being distributed, both within Korea as well as from upwind sources. As you know, there are out, outside influences as well on air quality in Korea. And so when you only monitor from the ground, it's very difficult to paint a complete picture of how pollution is transforming. Uh, a lot of pollutants are not uh, directly emitted, but come from secondary chemistry. And so understanding that is important. And then finally, we want to develop uh, better computer model simulations to help us tease apart the details of that uh, pollution chemistry, as well as develop satellite sensors that will help us to monitor it more effectively. Why did NASA, though, decide to team up with Korea's National Institute of Environmental Research? Uh, there are a few polluted countries in the world, some of which are, are obviously more polluted than Korea. So in terms of studying the problem, one of the great advantages of Korea came with the atmospheric scientist community in this country, which is very strong. And our colleagues at the National Institute of Environmental Research have done a lot of great work on air quality problems in Korea and the understanding of that through computer models, which can help us tease apart the details of air quality. Uh, furthermore, they'll also be launching an air quality satellite in the 2018 timeframe uh, that will be similar to a satellite that NASA will launch over North America. Uh, these satellites will be in geostationary orbit looking at our respective uh, North America for, uh, for NASA and for uh, Korea as well as East Asia uh, by the Korean satellite and trying to make those satellites share information effectively in terms of hemispheric pollution impacts is, is very important to us. Observational research is obviously very important. Uh, in, in terms of coming up with solutions though, how optimistic should we be and what sort of timeline could we set? Um, 
So the timeline is continuous. We already have made a lot of progress uh, with air quality. Uh, but what you really have to do in the end is collect observational evidence that gives you faith in the computer models that we use to predict or forecast air quality today. So many of you are already acquainted with websites and, and, and information that's dispersed uh, on air quality forecasts and current conditions. Uh, if we can forecast air quality effectively, then we can begin to run those models in a predictive sense, forward in time. And by changing certain scenarios of what's emitting and what's not emitting, we can begin to develop strategies for where mm. to tackle the problem and where, uh, where our policies will be more effective in trying to limit exposures to the, to the population. We've got a message here on Kaka Talk uh, saying that the price uh, our listener here paid for taking a leisurely stroll around Namsan on Sunday afternoon without a mask was a lost voice the following day, which has continued until today. I share my sympathies with you. Uh, thank you for getting in touch. But let me ask you, Dr. Crawford, you've been in Seoul. How have you found the air conditions? So that, that's interesting. I've spent most of my time indoors in meetings. Uh, the, the experiment's fairly complex, and there's lots of coordination to do. But that said, it's quite easy to look out my window here at the hotel and, and see the reduced visibility, which gives you a, a strong clue that, that things are, are indeed problematic for the population uh, right now. Uh, but I would like to also stress that while particle pollution uh, is visible to the naked eye, there's also a lot of toxic gaseous pollution, which you can't see by the naked eye and are still being exposed to. And so air quality is both something you're acutely aware of, but sometimes uh, are not necessarily uh, as, as sensitive to in terms of, of knowing that it's there. Um, you mentioned the websites that we could use before. I mean, I, I, in preparation for this interview, I... I searched through one of the major internet portals and, and came up with a whole series of them. But it's very confusing. You've got AQI, which is one measure um, of, uh, of pollution, the air quality index. But then you've also got a number of figures given in micrograms per cubic meter. And, and the, um, the thresholds for safety are very different depending on which country you're looking at, it seems. And Korea is a bit more generous with its threshold than others. So you're correct in that different countries have different standards for what they deem to be acceptable exposure levels, and, and that's just something that, that's policy-driven in each country. You also have differences in the way this information is communicated. And so a pollution level is something that, that I, as an atmospheric scientist, desire to know the most. But an air quality index or an AQI level is an attempt to make an interpretation that is more, uh, more easy to be understood by a person who wants to understand uh, what their exposure is going to be like on any given day. And remember, remember that exposure is not only a function of the amount of pollutant, but the time over which you're exposed. And so even though you can experience very short periods of high pollutant levels, it's really what you expect to be exposed to over a day's period, say an eight-hour uh, period, that, that is most closely mm. uh, related through, through, through scientific studies to health effects. And so those AQIs are trying to help you not just look at how much is there now, but what the integrated exposure over time is going to be. I'm sure, uh, as I said before, many would love to see this problem resolved. Um, what is the key going forward once we've got this data? Because we know that uh, a, a reasonable percentage of pollutants blow over from China. There's nothing we can directly do about that. But if all the cars in Seoul were to switch off today, for argument's sake, would we still have relatively high levels of fine particulate matter? You probably, you probably would because of the outside influences, but, but 
turning things off locally would have would have a huge effect uh, over the short term. Uh, but that said, it would also have a huge effect on the quality of life in Seoul. And so uh, there are real, uh, there's a real tug of war between maintaining quality of life but doing it in a fashion that preserves uh, air quality and, and the things that would be detrimental to health. And so that's really where policy uh, has to play a role in terms of trying to help us understand what you can change and, and what you can't change. And that's where this understanding that we're trying to achieve and the ability to use models to uh, – test where changes can be most effective is, is going to come into play. Yeah, according to Greenpeace, uh, coal production remains one of the, the biggest sources of, of particulate matter, the, the most harmful kind, the smallest particles. And uh, when you look at their map, that eastern side of China where it meets uh, the Yellow Sea just across from South Korea is the most dense coal-burning area of the country. And then also on the very west coast of, of South Korea, you also have um, coal production going on. Um, so anyone who's eastwards of that, us here in Seoul, is is in the firing line, I presume. I mean, is, again, it's so frustrating because there's nothing we as individuals can do. Uh, that's true as individuals, you can't. But if we have a satellite that can... Uh, map this pollution uh, regionally rather than measuring it at disparate points on the ground don't underestimate the power that that picture can have in terms of trying to convince change to happen and also by by flying over the west sea and then over the peninsula trying to understand uh, how much pollution is added due to the local power plants and, and the Seoul metropolitan area, as well as what's coming in from upwind, uh, we really do begin to gather the information we need to make the pleas with, uh, with both the local emitters and, and those emitters in China and other places to, to take a hard look at their, at their methods for generating power and, and what we might do to fix that. So do you think sort of 10 years from now we can expect or hope for better quality air in Seoul? Well, I'm an optimist, so I think it will be better. But I think that the work that we do is, is absolutely imperative to keeping people uh, on the problem and thinking about the things that they can do to fix it. Thank you so much for your efforts in that regard. Thank you. Dr. James Crawford, NASA Langley Research Center. You can still get in touch with us on that. One of the ways is email efmthismorning at gmail.com.